Let's begin the show by starting it. Welcome to another episode of the Fundamentals Podcast. I am your host, Harley. Joining me to kick off the sitcom summer series here at Fundamentals is my very first guest, Claire Brunson. Claire is a Rotten Tomatoes approved critic, as well as a writer for Film Story, Cine Chat Online, CRPWrites.com, and is the co-host of the wonderful podcast, W Rated. Needless to say, Claire has a very full-on schedule, but she was kind enough to give me some of her time to talk about the first sitcom in our series here, and that is the modern-day classic Parks and Recreation. Parks and Rec, as it's known amongst the fan base, spanned from 2009 to 2015 and was spearheaded by the former showrunner of the US office, Greg Daniels, along with head writer Michael Schur. It's a show that's made megastars out of some of its cast, including the likes of Chris Pratt and Aubrey Plaza, just to name a few. And we get into the reasons as to why we think the show has had such a big impact, some of our favourite moments, and a healthy dose of some great clips from the show. So without further ado, let's get to the conversation. This is Parks and Recreation with Claire Brunton. Claire and welcome to the Fundamentals podcast. Hello. Lovely to have you on and thank you first of all because you were one of the first people to reach out to me for this uh, sitcom summer series that I'm doing and you've picked I think an absolutely brilliant show. It's kind of like a modern classic already isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, and that is of course Parks and Recreation. So to kind of kick us off I want to know sort of when did you first see it and, and why did you pick this one in particular? So I first saw it, I think, around the time season three or four was airing in the States. Um, BBC Four, for some reason here, oh, was showing it. Okay. Um, and I finally, like, I kept hearing it come up on, like, I didn't use Twitter at the time, so it must have been, like, BuzzFeed or something, um, saying, like, a show to watch and, like, one that you shouldn't be missing and it always being talked about by critics. So when I managed to, like, find it one night on BBC4, I was like, yes. <laughs> and they'd show, like, two episodes a week or something. Um, so I kind of would try and catch it. And then at the end of season two, um, Ben Wyatt comes into the show, who is um, an all-time personal hero of mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I'm really sad. I have a Ben Wyatt t-shirt and it is in the wash. I was like, no, oh, no. I, otherwise I would be wearing it. <laughs> um, I was like, why didn't I wash that earlier? Um, but so once that kicked in, I was like, oh, I'm invested. Mm. And um, I did the, the naughty thing of changing my global settings on my laptop and maybe snuck into Canadian Netflix for a little bit and like binge watched all of season three. And I think it might have been four to the point that I took, I wasn't feeling very well. I was genuinely sick, but I had a day off work, a sick day, and I watched a season and a half of it. I just stayed in bed for the whole day and just watched episode after episode. Nice. And then, yeah. 
then just was in my life from then on. That's fantastic. And to be honest, you're kind of ahead of the curve there with uh, the whole settings thing. I mean, there's VPNs galore these days, so I don't really think anyone cares. <laughs> I, uh, ironically, I don't use them anymore. Oh. I'm like, back, back in like 2013, Claire was all over the VPN. And now I'm like, I'll just wait 12 months. Oh, wow. OK, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's brilliant. And yeah, you, you're kind of right. I think BBC Four, that's the last place I would have thought it would turn up mm. um, over here. But still, that's fine. And it's all good. So yeah, I'm guessing you're now like a lifelong fan and probably like myself and many others rewatched it countless times. Yes, especially again, um, season three and season four. Like, mm. it's funny. It's one of those shows that whenever you hear someone's going to start it, mm. I don't know about you, but most people are like, don't worry about season one, like watch it, but mm. keep going. If you don't like season one, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I found whenever I do a rewatch, I always start kind of the last three episodes of season two or at the start of season three. Oh. And I'm like, I should go back and be nice to those first episodes because they are good. <laughs> it just took a while to find its groove. Do you know, what? I think that's fair. That, that's kind of a comment that I think will come up a lot. And it's it's kind of all TV shows, I feel. Mm-hmm. are always sort of feeling things out in the first season and you assassinate your characters and plot lines and yeah like you said it's usually kind of into your third and fourth seasons where they really hit their stride because they understand the rhythm of the characters in the show yeah. um but i know personally i'm kind of a purist i like to go back to the beginning and mm-hmm. kind of look for the gems and look for the moments that just really are brilliant you think yeah i can see the spark i can see where they were going with this um yeah and then I mean, it leads to some really brilliant character moments. I'm sure this is going to be an episode where we're probably just going to be referencing a lot of moments and <laughs> <laughs> things that happen. Like one that immediately springs to mind for me, I'm pretty sure at season one is where Andy Dwyer turns up at Anne's house, trouserless, and yes. Leslie opens the door and is like, what? And obviously the fun story to that that is quite well known is that Chris Pratt completely improvised that. And it's very funny rewatching that scene through the lens, um, knowing that, Oh, what's the actress that plays Leslie Nope? I've forgotten her name already. Amy Poehler. Thank you. That Amy Poehler is just, just like in absolute shock for that whole. Mm-hmm. But fair play to um, Rashida Jones because she just plays the rest of the scene out straight faced. Yeah. So. Oh. Baby, I'm back. Thank you so. Wow. Oh. Why are you naked? Oh. Well, because of what you said, we're getting back together. No, we're not. Yes, we are. You should have heard the super sexy stuff she was saying to me. I said, hey, Andy, it's Anne. Can we talk at my house? That's not how you said it. You were like, hey, Andy, it's Anne. Can you talk at my house? Oh, my God, you're such a baby. Oh, literally, big naked baby. Put clothes on. There you go. That's one already. But, yeah, I want to know, <laughs> to kind of kick into it then, yeah, you, you said Ben Wyatt. Is he your favourite character then? A hundred percent. I'm in love with the man. I need to know um, why. Go on. He's the perfect man. He is adorable. Mm-hmm. He's good looking. He's very smart. He's so supportive. He's a massive, like, pro geek nerd. Um, I mean, he made a board game, The Cones of Dunshire. Like... Presenting The Cones of Dunshire, a brand new gaming experience. Eight to 12 players, two wizards, a maverick, the arbiter, two warriors, a corporal, and a ledgerman. Now, the ledgerman just keeps score, and he wears this hat. Oh boy. Now the object is to accumulate cones. Four cones wins, but in order to get a cone you have to build a civilization. The other amazing thing is the challenge play. Actually, let me tell you more about the trivia cards because you're going to need to know about roadblocks first. Uh, never mind. The thing about the challenge play is that it's basically the game 
in reverse. Then you roll three dice to see how many dice you roll with. Oh, 16, perfect, lots of choices. Okay, each turn goes roll, buy, action. I mean, obviously this would be much taller in the real game. But the corporal can veto. This should be green too, how did this happen? Are the cones a metaphor? Well, yes and no. What, what, is, what is this called again? The cones of Dunshire. Oh my God, the Maverick should be able to trade lumber for agriculture credits. How have I not thought of this before? This is nothing, right? Um, when do you go back to work again? Tomorrow. It's fine. I'll just throw this in the garbage. How can you not love him? Oh, uh, um, I love that bit. <laughs> so and good. like, so the t-shirt I have mm. is from an episode I watched the other day. Um, and it's um, a restaurant and it's Papa Papa Ben's Low Cow Cow Zone Zone. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I love like stuff that's from within a show. Yeah. So it like, looks like it's a proper restaurant shirt. I was like, yes, I need that in my life. Yeah. Like, how can you not love a man who, when having a mental breakdown, mm. makes claymation <laughs> and calzone restaurants? <laughs> that that claymation thing is one of my favorite bits where yeah isn't it he, he just he builds that movie and it's like three <laughs> seconds it's just a guy gets yeah. out of a bed and it's a bit from i think it's an rem song place yeah brilliant <laughs> and he's like oh uh, i thought this was my avatar <laughs> <laughs> i text leslie telling her yeah <laughs> um, i think one of the interesting things for me because it is originally oh. meant to be a spin-off of the office and then they changed mm. it to being its own thing I saw Parks and Recreation before I watched any of the American Office. Oh. And I re I've just like rewatched all of the American Office from the beginning mm -hmm. to I've for some reason, apart from the last two episodes, I've just realised I was about to say to the end. Oh. Just realised I never watched the finale. So oh. I'll do that tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Maybe I was like, I don't wanna cry. <laughs> um but in the office, I'm a sucker for the will they won't nays, which mm. is also why I love sitcoms. Like you've got Rachel and Russ in Friends. Yeah. It's one of the first shows I ever remember watching, and I grew up with that show. Um, so Jim and Pam in the office are mm -hmm. so wonderful. Having just rewatched The Office and now rewatching Parks and Rec again, I can see that Ben is kind of a Jim, and he is the straight man, and he gives the looks to cameras. And I wonder, I love Ben so much. I do wonder for the people who were watching it when it came out, who had watched The Office, did they get a bit annoyed being like, oh, well, they've just put Jim in. Because mm. like, for me, I'm like, it's perfect. I loved Ben first. I also love Jim. But I do wonder if he, and then you've got the will they won't they between Ben and Leslie. I do wonder if it maybe irked some people. That's a really good point. I'm just going to pull up the cast because I know I'm going to forget names as we go along. So I want that in the <laughs> background. But... Yeah, that's a good point. And this is something I think will probably come up because you've, you've name dropped a few uh, sitcoms and other, which, uh, other shows that will be future episodes for anyone <laughs> listening. Um, but yeah, the whole will they, won't they romance thing, you're right. It, it seems to be like a staple of a lot of sitcoms. And there's something, I'm not sure. I, th I think it's because we get invested in, in human relationships and drama anyway. You know, I mean, yeah. that's what I, I hate to bring it into it, but that's what pretty much all reality television is, right? Mm -hmm. It's all those kind of things. But well, at least with a sitcom, you get to have a bit of fun with it. And so, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. I very much think that the whole um, Ben Wyatt and Leslie Nope thing is brilliant because he's a really good foil for her. Yeah. You know, she's I mean, Amy Poller is amazing as Leslie Nope as this really wide eyed, over enthusiastic um, public servant. And he comes in, it's his, initially this very dry kind of accountant guy that's like, no, you can't have all these crazy dreams. And, but it's nice because they kind of bounce off each other. I feel like he yeah. kind of brings her down to earth when she needs it, but she also lifts him up and 
shows him that you can do amazing things if you just put your mind to it. So it's a, it's a very sweet relationship, I think. And it's very different to Jim and Pam in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the best things about Parks and Recreation is it's a very like it's a show full of heart Absolutely. where the office can be a little bit cynical and very cringe. Parks mm. and Recreation is so full of heart and belief. And I think that's why when it moves into season three onwards mm. and you get Ben and Chris arrive and Leslie kind of saves Pawnee with the Harvest Festival and then that gets her on the track to being elected and becoming an official. I think that's when it really hits its stride because in the first season when you've got Leslie bouncing off of Ron and April who are so wonderful characters sometimes what you can kind of see is this really hyper over-the-top enthusiastic person and these really cynical people Mm. and you needed someone like ben and Anne, who does it in the first few seasons in the middle to believe in leslie and have her enthusiasm infect someone because then it starts to infect you as the audience member and and it's nice that like as the show builds and we get to know our characters more, we learn that April and Ron aren't these horrible, mean, heartless people. They're some of like the biggest hearted ones in the show. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. It's yeah. Cause um, I've been listening to a load of behind the scenes stuff on the U S office recently. Cause there's been some cracking podcasts on that mm-hmm. and uh, uh, listening to Mike Shaw, who ended up becoming the showrunner for parks and rec mm-hmm. and Greg Daniels, who was also involved. Yeah, they said that with the US office, obviously, that was a spin on the UK one, but it was with like 10% more hope. Mm-hmm. You know, and like you say, that's a good through line throughout the show. But you're right, Parks and Rec is when they just dialed it up. They were like, okay. Yeah, it's like 90% more hope by yeah, the end of it. Which makes sense because, you know, instead of an office and, and like the main character dealing with people in a small environment, it's an entire town. Yeah. So, yeah, if it was just an entire town where it is just constant negativity and cynicism, mm-hmm. it, it would kind of get you down. But having said that, there are some really, really brilliant moments where she keeps coming up against people who are just mm-hmm. the worst in so many <laughs> respects. Well, that's it. Like You brought up the town, and I think that is also, aside from our main characters, it, it's the townsfolk. Like, the way they build the town and the recurring people. Yeah. Like, Purge. Like, <laughs> what a character. One of my favourites, yeah. And you know, in real life, he was a news anchor. No, I didn't know that. So, I mean, I don't know how true this is, but I've seen it come up a few times over the years. Apparently, he was a real-life news anchor who retired and decided he'd be an actor, but he would only ever play the part of a news Brilliant. caster. Because he's been in loads of different shows as a newscaster, and I think that's people started collecting, like, oh, my God, I've seen him again. And someone was like, no, no, no. Like, he will only play newscasters. <laughs> like, he's so yes. good as that. And I love that his character gets more and more literal as time goes on. <laughs> this is the conversation that I am having. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and like all the like I, I was watching last night, um, the Sweetum stuff where they bring in um, Paul Rudd. Yeah, and it's so good. Yeah. And like Sue Salads, just how much Leslie hates that poor Sue Salads lady <laughs> every time. Like, I'm not going to eat a salad. Yeah. <laughs> Although I've not worked with you professionally as a private citizen, I have personally patronized each and every one of your establishments. Mm, I've never seen you buy a salad at Sue Salads. Because I don't hate myself, Tanya. I'm sorry. I know I should be chasing your vote, but I stand behind my decision to avoid salad and other disgusting things. And I think I have a lot of support in the community for that. Yeah, it's so true. Like They, they seem to... Because it obviously takes on a lot of um, issues. I mean, it's a, it's a show within a political office, so they obviously touch mm-hmm. on political issues. But the way they do it, I think, is very clever. 
and it's it's very much satire at its finest mm-hmm. and it's that kind of back and forth you know that sort of people that need governance they need some sort of leadership or help but they don't really want it and so it's it's really interesting watching Leslie kind of navigate those waters and as you mm-hmm. say meeting all these colorful characters along the way um yeah. it's yeah absolutely hilarious the, the stuff about sweetens just made you just reminded me of the bit where um I think she goes in and she's trying to put like a, a reasonable tax on it to to kind of stop people from over consuming oh the giant baby sized yeah, cup yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the size of an actual human. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just incredible. Well, uh, Punchburger just recently came out with a new 128-ounce option. Most people call it a gallon, but they call it the regular. Then there is a horrifying 512-ounce version that they call child size. How is this a child-sized soda? Well, it's roughly the size of a two-year-old child if the child were liquefied. <laughs> uh, it's so, so funny. And it's one of those where they, they make it like a, a dollar more or something or less. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so ridiculously cheap. and it's But it's a brilliant commentary on, um, on the obesity crisis. Like, it's just, it's, it handles a massive topic. But with, like you say, a bit of optimism and a bit of a cheeky mm-hmm. wink and nod at the camera. Yeah absolutely i do it's just all the little touches that like thread throughout and like when you were talking about like these people that don't want governance like the time capsule episode is the best version of that like the town forums just any time they have a town forum i'm like yeah yeah give me these weirdos yeah these weirdos that pop up out of nowhere and just yelling into the void (laughs) isn't that the one with a guy like this is again this is just one of these uh, oh do you know i'm gonna say it now all the episodes i'm gonna do of this show are just gonna be oh you remember that bit when (laughs) (laughs) It's the guy who like wants to put Twilight in the capsule. Yeah. And he like chains himself to a desk and it's a <laughs> it's just so good. But it's absolutely wonderful that like you said and I mean it's one of those shows as well, like it's made mega stars out of a mm-hmm. lot of the cast. I mean, we mentioned Chris Pratt, who before this, I think him, um, again, Aubrey Plaza, you know, both of those guys didn't really have much in the way of acting creds before this. See, Chris mm. Pratt did because I, I, okay. I was one, Chris Pratt was one of those people that I accidentally followed his career without really trying oh. to. He was in this like teen show called Everwood, which is oh, I've heard of awful. That. Yeah, but he was really cute in it. He was like this mm. doofy older guy, and he was really sweet. And then he like turned up. He'd often be like in a rom com, mm-hmm. not the lead's best friend, the mm. lead's best friend's other friend. You know, right. if they'd ever needed a scene with more than two people, he'd be like, Guy three. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he just, he was one of those people that just popped up and stuff. And I was like, Oh, it's that guy. And so mm. then when he turned up in Parks and Rec, I was like, Oh, that guy. Mm. And then he blew up. Well, that's it. Yeah, they, they, these guys became like megastars now. They're like household mm-hmm. names in, in anything that you see. And um, I mean, yeah, speaking of, I, mean, I have to say, I absolutely love. Um, Andy Dwyer as as mm-hmm. a character I just think he's so much fun and he has so much heart to the story and has arguably the funniest improvised joke of the entire mm-hmm. show I'm probably going to put a few clips in to be honest with this episode and that's <laughs> going to be one of them I'm not even going to say the joke I'm just going to put the clip in here Leslie I typed your symptoms into the thing up here and it says you could have network connectivity problems so yeah that's uh, <laughs> he just delivers it so well it's it's just i, I couldn't do it justice <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
no, like they, I mean, it's all of the improvisation and all of the weird catchphrases. Yeah. Like the, the treat yourself, like that yes. is now just a part of life. Like maybe it existed before Parks and Recreation, but mm. I'd never heard of it. And now, like treat yourself is just. You're right. Yeah, me and my wife often say that to each other, which is fine. Like, mm. When it's sure, should I buy this thing? Treat yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Hope, like it's fine. You need you need mm. the hope. Buy the thing. Once a year, Donna and I spend a day treating ourselves. What do we treat ourselves to? Clothes. Treat yourself. Fragrances. Treat yourself. Massages. Treat yourself. Mimosas. Treat yourself. Fine leather goods. Treat yourself. It's the best day of the year. The best day of the year! Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And that's something I don't know about you. I've I've been looking at some of the the behind-the-scenes stuff and listening to interviews lately for this show, and... It's something that's common in this and The Office, which doesn't surprise me because, again, it's the same creative team. But there's this really awesome balance, I think, between the cast and writers where, mm-hmm. like you said, you get brilliant improvised jokes like from Chris Pratt and other people. And then you get some of the sharpest writing you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And there just seems to be this mindset with all of them, which is, you know, funny is funny. Mm-hmm. And they follow that. They don't They don't get precious about, well, I wrote the line, so you need to say the line. If someone comes up with something that's better, they're just like, nah, we'll use that. And vice versa. They might improvise and go, oh, this isn't working. But that's okay. And I think, do you think that's part of what makes the show so good? It's like it feels like a big collaborative process. Absolutely. And I think... I, I've been listening to The Office Ladies. I listen to mm-hmm. half an episode a night before I go to bed. It's my little, like, oh, nice. soothing downtime. Nice. Um, and I've been reading Amy Poehler's, um, I don't know if it's a memoir or an autobiography, a book that Amy Amy Poehler wrote. Okay. <laughs> um, and there's a few little bits. I think she wrote it just as Parks and Recreation was finishing. Um, and, like, they always cite Greg Daniels and, and in Parks and Rec, Mike Schur for the, the camaraderie built mm. and what, um, earlier in the year for one of the sites I write for we did a top 10 sitcoms of all time okay. and what I found interesting when I was compiling my list was how many of these shows have someone who came from the office Greg Daniels created such a wonderful world you you first one that you get is Parks and Recreation then you get Brooklyn Nine-Nine then mm-hmm. you get The Good Place then you get Superstore mm. they've all come from people who have come somehow through Greg Daniels and The Office and I love a sitcom. Mm-hmm. When you look at most of the sitcoms that have gone beyond a couple of seasons in the last 10 or 20 years, they've all, like the good ones have all come some way through The Office. And I think, yeah, it's their shows about ensembles. Mm. So they need an ensemble writing kind of co- collaboration mm. because you're writing for 5, 10, 15 characters and you're building these wonderful ensemble supporting cast. Of course, one person isn't going to be the able to be the voice for all of those people, and so yeah, I think having that ability to have the writers on the set, which is what they talk about in the office a lot. In Amy Poehler's book, she said that what they would do when they would film is they'd always leave enough time at the end of filming. They'd film it like two or three times to the script, and then they'd leave ten minutes or however long to do it again, and everyone could ad lib as much as they wanted and mess around, and then they cut it up from there and mm. that you know that's where some of some of the joy comes from it's brilliant i think that's the best way to do it because um, mm-hmm. i mean someone like amy polar for example comes from the saturday night live and that sort of yeah. comedy background you know and, and i think nick offerman also had a com- comedy background a lot of these guys some of them were stand-up mm-hmm. comedians and it's like you'd be you'd be foolish to just bring this kind of talent in and then not use it to its best um 
Speaking of, um, I want to know your thoughts on on uh, on Ron Swanson here. I've got him on the list. <laughs> oh, what what? Do you, I mean, his giggle is one of the best sounds in the world. Okay. <laughs> I love Ron Swanson. He's he is the ultimate foil. But it's like he's great when he's mean. Mm. But he's so great when you see him melt. Yeah. Like when in the later seasons he meets, is it Diane that he ends up with? Yes, um, yes. And I she has so. the two little girls, and him and Andy help the princesses. Like it's something to do with like a pothole or something, and they become friends with the little girls. And yeah. it's so nice to watch Ron so out of his element, but also completely succeed. Absolutely, he's just like a big sort of grizzly bear, isn't he? Like yeah. he's got this tough exterior, but he's he's a real sweetheart. Yeah. Um, and obviously the Tammies <sighs> are just. <laughs> Some all of my, three of them oh, my favorite episodes just oh yeah it wasn't he's like both of my ex-wives are called tammy my mum's also called tammy what's your point you know <laughs> very disturbing but very very funny i'm trying to remember the name i was going to look her up now i mean both of the tammies are hilarious so, tammy too who's like the main one is megan mullally yes i've got her here she's in Bo- yeah. like bob's burgers and other stuff she's really but really she's funny from, she's from will and grace and she's his real life wife Oh, really? Oh, did you not know that? I did not know that. Yeah, they're married in real life. They did a podcast. I don't know if they still do it. Um, I used to listen to it when I was commuting into work. Okay. Um, and their podcast is great. They it's called In Bed in um, with Nick and Meg, and they right. would just interview people from their bed. <laughs> That's incredible. And it's great. They have such natural charisma yeah. that it makes so much sense that they would have her play his on screen. I was going to say the chemistry they have is unbelievable and it's yeah. just really really funny um and yeah i think one of my favorites is like later on in the season i think where she's she ends up dating councilman jam who's again another mm. wonderful character <laughs> like just the absolute worst but played brilliantly <laughs> and just i think she uh she ends up like turning him into ron like gives him yeah. a mustache and the same haircut <laughs> and all this stuff and it, it's just very very funny and they're trying to like get him to like give her up like going cold turkey <laughs> i think ron says a line something about like you didn't check the attic you know she survived in my house once by eating nothing but rats for two days <laughs> yeah you didn't check the armoire tammy once camped out in my attic for six days awaiting my arrival she survived on rats and rainwater let's run it again it's just these throwaway lines where you're like wait what <laughs> just like, i believe it because of the way yeah. Megan plays that character, it's like, yeah, I believe she's psychopathic enough to do something like that. Absolutely. She's got that like crazy eye energy all over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And, um, yeah, I mean, are there any other characters that kind of leap out to you? What are your other favourites, then, I have to ask? Oh, I mean, one who I loved more and more, especially the more I've rewatched it, is mm-hmm. Donna. Donna ah. is such, like, a sleeping hit because she isn't yeah. in it that much... And then they obviously make her role bigger as it goes on. But when you then rewatch the earlier episodes, she has some of like the best withering looks and some of the best just like one line takedowns. And it's like, damn, Donna is brilliant. Like yeah. she is so good. And she's like she's one of the few characters that has it all together. Like she has everything <laughs> sussed out. She knows exactly who she is. Um and then as the season goes on, like you said, she's quietly in the background and then at one point she's like, Oh yeah, I've got my like realtor's license. You're like, hang on, when did that happen? And Right, she's doing very well for herself. I mean, she has a Benz. She's one of the only people in Pawnee with Benz. Yeah, that's true. 
while they repaint the lines in the parking lot, we're asking everyone to do street parking. I'm not street parking my Mercedes. Well, everyone is. I'm doing it. Because nobody wants to steal a Saturn. <laughs> That's so true. And uh, doesn't she? She ends up with. Um, is it Michael Ke- Keegan? One of the. Com- uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He's. Um, he's again. He's the cast that they get in this by the end because obviously it grows like the office. Mm-hmm. It comes such a big hit that like everyone's in it. Well, I mean, one of the reasons I love season four is that you get the double whammy of Catherine Hahn and Paul Rudd at the same time. And it's like, yeah. mate, this is a dream. You know what? Yeah, on that, absolutely. Like, because obviously, recently, uh, One Division's come out and everyone's like, oh, Catherine Hahn's really good. But for anyone who's a fan of Parks and Rec, we're like, yes, she's brilliant. Like, we've known this for years. So, um, again, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched the show, go and watch it. Yeah. But yeah, Ka- Catherine Hahn, I'm just trying to find her. What, what was the name of the character? Je- Jennifer oh, Barkley, there it is. Yes. Yeah, so she's like this, um, she's kind of like this political advisor to the hapless Paul Rudd who just plays this like overgrown, spoiled man baby. He does it really, really well. He's hilarious. Um, I mean, because he's so spoiled, but he's yeah. so sweet. Like you could <laughs> easily like go like for the Trump route and make him really spoiled. Like I want yes. everything, but he is the sweetest. Like when he's like, yeah. you made a really mean advert about me. And they're like, we, we just showed your advert that you made. And he's like, well, yeah. it was really mean. <laughs> Does he like <laughs> applaud when she wins? He's like, oh, well He done. voted for her. Yeah. <laughs> The reason why Bobby and I are appearing together is to send the message that everyone should get out and vote, no matter who they're voting for. That's right. Another awesome point by Leslie. That's why I'm voting for you. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny? You're laughing at your joke. What joke? I am voting for you. You're not voting for yourself? Leslie, you can't vote for yourself, I don't think. I'm pretty sure that's illegal. Yeah, Can <laughs> Catherine Hahn has this brilliant line where she's like trying to give Leslie advice, and I think she, she's saying, like, you know, you know, I'll give you these next few sentences free. Like, you know, it's, don't say anything because it's going to cost you like a hundred dollars and that. And just and the energy she brings to that character. It's amazing. Yeah, so much charis- charisma. It's it's really funny. Okay, if you want to keep talking, you're going to have to pay me twelve hundred more dollars. Uh, I just need. No, I swear to God, if you say one more word, you will legally owe me twelve hundred dollars, and I will sue you. Let's not end it like that. Okay, great to see you, Leslie. Those five words are on me. Should I move this back? Don't answer it. Yeah. I absolutely love her. There's, there's such so many great supporting actors in this. And you mentioned earlier, obviously, when Adam Scott comes in. Mm-hmm. I will say, actually, about the whole Ben White character, something I really love about it is Adam Scott, if you've seen him in other things, generally he plays, like, the absolute worst person. And he's really good at it. He's really he's good at being such mean. the worst. Because I fell in love with him in Parks and Rec, and then I went on, like, a little <laughs> thing of, like, trying to watch all his other stuff. And I was right. like, why is he so horrible? Yeah. <laughs> where is ben yeah exactly and uh, yeah and this he's the polar opposite like he's the (laughs) sweetest guy and he's really really good at it yeah and um yeah i'm curious do you care for calzones then no i actually don't i am i'm the world's fussiest eater pizza Ah. is my favorite meal but it has to just be a pizza with cheese and tomato and sometimes not even the cheese wow okay yeah, definitely not a calzone fan. No, That's fair calzone's enough. too much going on for me. <laughs> I know. One of my favourite gags, that. Absolutely brilliant. And don't they all get like food poisoning from one as well at one point? I think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it's just the scathing. Calzones are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely brilliant. So, Ben, why calzone? Glad you asked, Chris. 
You know, there's fast food hamburgers, there's fast food Mexican, there's fast food Chinese, blah, blah, blah. Have you ever wondered why there isn't a fast food option for Italian food? What about pizza? Pizza? Never heard of it. That's what people will be saying in 20 years, because pizza is old news, Chris. Pizza is your grandfather's calzone. I never thought of it that way. What I'm talking about is a portable, delicious meal that is its own container. It's a whole new spin on Italian fast casual dining. Amazing. Now, you of all people like this. I'm going to use low-fat ingredients. Game changer. And I will call my new Italian fast casual eatery the Locale Calzone Zone. That idea is literally the greatest idea I have ever heard in my life. That idea is terrible. No, I'm just looking as well. Oh, Rob Lowe, of course. How can we forget yeah. Rob Lowe's Chris Traeger, the happiest man in the universe? Well, and like, who was only meant to be in what four episodes and then yeah. loved it so much? He was like, Oh, come back. And they're like, Oh, God, how do we? He, we've, we've written him out and we've broken him and Anna up. Like, let's just bring him back. Yeah. And, and it works. But I'm not, you don't really care because he's yeah. just so much fun. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, he's just one of these wonderful characters. He's like always got a big beaming smile. and But also, he has a several breakdowns along the way he's, which is quite fun he's got the best memes like all the ones about like when he's sick and he's like i'm dying <laughs> there's yeah. so many good like gifts <laughs> chris i'm dying i was dying earlier today and then i died now i'm dead you know there's a, he keeps talking about his therapist doctor was it dr richard lester nygaard or something <laughs> Yeah, and he, yeah, I think that's it, Dr. Lester, my God. And he keeps talk, bringing him up in like every other sentence. It's like, yes, you're in therapy, it's fine. <laughs> Dr. Richard Nygaard feels that I should face my fears instead of running from them. He's very wise. I see him five times a week. He holds my life in his hand like a fragile little bird. But yeah, I mean, do you know what? Him and um, Anne's kind of romance, what do you make of that? Because I, I feel like that's quite an unconventional story. And it kind of makes for interesting viewing. I always, I never know, because I do really like Anne as a character, mm. but she's also sort of the, she's not a bad character, but she's the worst in the show, and I don't think that means that she's bad, I oh. think it only means that the other ones are so good, because mm. she really does do the least, and I feel like at one point they kind of forget what to do with her, because mm. she does peter off for a little bit, and then Rashida Jones obviously left midway through the se like second to last season, mm. um, and that's how they bring the the Chris Traeger and her thing in. And I think it was a really nice resolution. And I always wonder if Ad um, Rob Lowe hadn't mm. have been leaving and then come back, mm. would they have broken her and Chris up at all? Yeah, that's a fair point. Because, yeah. yeah, there just becomes a point where it's like, oh, we just have Anne dating all these people. Mm. And the joke is that she becomes the people she dates. But mm. they never fully commit to it. Like, she doesn't go really wild with it. No. But she just sort of then, she's so good being Leslie's best friend. And she's so good being, like, the sane person. Because she's, like, it's kind of heavily implied that she's not from Pawnee originally. Yes. So, like, the stuff with, like, the water mouth guard and that mm. kind of thing. Where she's like, what is wrong with people in this town? <laughs> um, it's so great. So she's, she's such a great side character. Yeah. But... I always feel like she has the least fun, which makes me sad because I'm like, I don't mm. want to not like her. She just has, she's the least fun of the lot. You're right. I mean, I guess she's kind of like a straight man for mm -hmm. Leslie Nope until Ben Wyatt comes along. Yeah. Um, and then you're right. And then she's kind of just left in the wings for a while, um, which is a shame because uh, 
because yeah, Rashida Jones is very funny and very quick mm. off her feet when she, you know, when you put her in the right um, characters in the right situation. So yeah, you, that's a good point actually. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, but I, I do like where they go with her and Chris mm. in the end, and I do like that they get a happy ending. Um, yeah. But yeah, it just I feel like she she deserved more of an arc in the middle. Yeah, I guess it was tricky, wasn't it? Because they set it up so well that Leslie kind of goes overboard when she has mm-hmm. a friend and mm-hmm. like basically worships Anne. And, <laughs> and it's very, it leads to some really, really funny stuff. But as you say, when they introduce Ben and that kind of relationship takes off, she does kind of fall into the background a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, um, but no, do you know what? I, th- I think as we go, there'll probably be other things we'll notice like that in other sitcoms with certain characters take a bit of a step back but that's okay um speaking of characters that step back and one of my absolute favorites i think he gets funnier every time for me i watch it is jerry gergic or is it gary <laughs> or is it glenn, and then they give glenn is it, yeah. <laughs> like, his name played by jim o'hare just absolutely brilliant i think just the yeah the kind of the guy that everyone just kicks in the office, but but I just but love that he it. he has the best life outside of work. Yeah, That's why, like, he yeah. is literally living the dream. He has the nicest mm. wife, wonderful kids, a lovely home. They have wonderful Christmas parties. I'm like, yeah, he doesn't mind everyone having a go at him because he's just loving his life. Yeah, I I think there's that episode, isn't it, where they go to his house and like you say, you meet his wife and kids, and you're like, what is going on here? And uh, <laughs> and then they're like singing a pancake song in the morning and it's all very sweet and you're like like you said you're thinking why does he work there <laughs> but it's um I've, i know a few of the shows that have done this there's an episode where they explore his role in the gang mm. and i can't remember i think it's uh tom haverford for a second almost ends up becoming the jerry of the office and they kind yeah. of explore that like there's this there's almost like this ecosystem mm-hmm. and there's got to be someone at the bottom which i think is it's a very meta very clever way of exploring his character and I don't know, personally, it makes me feel a bit better about laughing at him. It's kind of like, oh, he chooses to be here. It's OK. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is really clever of the show as well um, to make sure that we know that he's a happy person and that he mm. takes it all in jest. And that whilst, you know, his place in, in their office isn't great, mm. he's a happy person. He's not going home every night and crying about it. He is just there to do his job and see nice people that he enjoys spending time with. Yeah. And then he gets to go home and have a lovely life. And I think that's a really important thing that the show did mm. because otherwise you've got these wonderful characters who in every other way are so wonderful and so uplifting to each other. And then you're like, why are they all such horrible people to him? So <laughs> to make sure that it's like, very clear that like oh no 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 it's not like that it's yeah very like spot on writing they can laugh at me all they want because two more years until i retire with full benefits and pension and my wife and i we have bought a little cottage on a lake and i'm gonna get myself a stack of mystery novels a box of cigars and i'm gonna sit back and enjoy my life yeah it's very good um and it's something that i've noticed about when you watch it over and over again is I think they do very nicely is they give each character a little bit of growth mm-hmm. which i don't know about you I, I feel like that helps the show to kind of keep going because it's easy isn't it for a lot of them to get stuck in a rut yeah. and become very repetitive whereas as you say like leslie in particular has this huge arc as she moves through the various political um i guess roles mm-hmm. in the town and everybody else is given a chance to grow with that i mean do you think that kind of contributes to what makes it such a, a big hit 
Definitely. I think like April is the biggest example of that. Cause yes. She's like the sullen. Is she like an intern at the start of it? She's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So she just like is just there because almost like she has to be. Mm. And it's so good that like they imply it in the first few seasons that she's secretly very good at her job because like Chris wants her to be his assistant and then Ben takes her to Washington. So it's like, oh, she is clearly good at her job and just doesn't want to be good at her job because she Mm. wants to be the next Ron and Ron goes out of his way to be bad at his job because he doesn't want to support government Mm. Um, and so I think that's nice and like there's the whole episode where she wants to make like the dog park for like the like animals and it's so nice that like they make it clear like oh she's really like wicked and dark and evil but she also is lovely and it it's moments like that and I think her relationship with um Andy that again just like with Ron just like with all of them it's like oh no she's like cynical and like witchy but she's also like the nicest sweetest person it's Mm. just that you have to be one of the things that she cares about and animals are one of the things she cares about yeah and what do you think with her relationship with with Andy Dwyer I initially I was kind of a bit like really but actually, I think it, I don't know about you. I feel like it works. He his lightness kind of counteracts her darkness a little bit. Definitely, and I think I kind of rewatching it this time. I was a little bit. I think I forgot like the age difference. I don't think the age difference had ever bothered me before. And this time, I was like, oh, that is a bit weird. There is quite an age difference. Um, but I was like, he's so immature that it doesn't matter. Yeah, and he's I basically think, twelve. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it is. I think it really, really works because he thinks everything is fun and thinks everything is light that when she's really like her kind of deliciously wicked he just thinks it's great because he thinks it's a joke and everyone else is like no she's crazy she would kill someone and he's like yeah she would this is awesomely perfect burley just moved in with his rich girlfriend and we need help with the rent we have a couple house rules though yeah sure of course you can't use the front door you have to climb in through the back window no personal phone conversations if you ever speak to me in spanish please use the formal usted and no electricity after 6 p.m. <laughs> She's okay. You can use as much free electricity as you want. It's free. <laughs> Couple more rules. If you ever watch a sad movie, you have to wear mascara so we can see whether or not you've been crying. There's no noise a lot on Mondays and no TV after breakfast. Again, because it's hard to tell. <laughs> no, we leave the TV on all day long, so burglars think that we're home and we're not, which is my idea uh, that I'm trying to patent. Yeah, that's kind of the other thing. I reckon he cuts right through that mm-hmm. for her and taps into that kind of sweet side, as you said, and like that yeah. sort of whole defense that she has. The walls up, he just goes right through it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, she makes sure that he goes to the doctor when yeah. he has never been in like twenty years. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely absolutely um i think it just it just works it's it's nice that they kind of have these different relationships going on in the show but each one kind of has its own little organic feel it doesn't feel like they're just pairing up people for the sake of pairing them up you know yeah like you can um oh my god i've completely forgotten his name who does um As Susan Sari's character? Uh, Tom Haverford, yeah. Tom Haverford, thank you. Oh my God, that just like went from my brain. No, again, I've got it all here just for that exact reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, like Tom is one of those people that like you compare him with Ron, works perfectly. You pair him with Leslie, works perfectly. Whilst I don't agree with pairing him romantically with Anne, pairing him in scenes with Anne, work perfectly. Pairing yes. him in scenes with Donna are, are amazing. Like mm-hmm. he bonds so well to all of the characters. 
and it's the kind of thing like not to reference friends again but there became a point in friends where they always ended up doing like pairs of storylines and there'd be three storylines and the friends Mm. would always be in their pairs and it would always be monica and chandler do a thing rachel and ross do a thing and then phoebe and joey do something weird and wacky and Mm. what i love about parks and rec not that i don't adore friends um Mm. is that the pairings change on an episode episodic basis and the pairings never don't seem natural they always just completely work and completely flow you know putting Anne with ron shouldn't Mm. work but it does they make it work and they make it work brilliantly like when they go around at the halloween party and repair all the house and she's like i'm gonna learn to repair things it's great absolutely you're right and it's again it's kind of speaks to the I guess the foresight of the writing teams, but we've got all these different characters. Everyone's working really well. Why not mix them up? You know, mm-hmm. why not have a bit of fun? And like you say, you know, put Tom with Leslie on a mission or something. And it's quite yeah. funny watching his laziness bounce off her overwork, yeah. you know, like her, her crazy <laughs> ethic. And he's just like, yeah, trying to skim out of everything, but it allows for a little bit of growth as well. They, mm-hmm. they kind of learn things off each other. And it's very sweet in that way. Um, and I can, I think he has a pretty good arc for the most part like he's incredibly annoying for a lot of the series he's very vain but but yeah. it's kind of played for fun you know the only character or characters that i don't like in the whole show are john raffio and john raffio's sister and i know oh, john raffio is like a big fan favorite i find him so too much good though. i can't i just can't take him he's too much i hate him <laughs> but you are also meant to be like oh my god what is with this guy so it, it yeah. maybe they're just working too well on me um but so i love that they never do that completely with tom they let tom outgrow john raffio consistently and make him learn to be better than that and i'm like yes good for you tom absolutely i mean the, the pairing i'm just trying to find who plays john raffio because i know the ben uh, something ben schwartz that's it mm. and uh, jenny slate plays his sister those two together oh man it's just like you said makes nails on a chalkboard isn't yeah. it when they're together but but in the best way um... <laughs> see for me i'm like no 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 it's why i avoided the office for so long because ah, i can't okay. i can't cope with the english office the british office oh, it's right. too much for me i'm like no i can't it makes me so uncomfortable i want to like crawl up and die <laughs> so i avoided the american one for ages until i fell so in love with parks and rec that i was yeah. like i'm gonna have to give it a go um but yeah so the, that pairing john raffio and his sister i'm like no 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 please stop make it stop <laughs> And uh, bringing in Henry Winkler as the dad, like just it's just too much. <laughs> it's genius. It's so good. But yeah, you're right. They are also well. He's, he calls himself the worst frequent. I do enjoy that. I have nicked that that phrasing. Yeah. The worst. The worst. She's the worst in the world. There's uh, there's many a meme for that. And um, mm-hmm. and was it Jenny Slate going money please? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I see that everywhere. Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing I think about this this show is it's embedded itself so much into the kind of pop culture ethos. Like you see memes and gifs and references everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. everywhere you look, like you say, there's a Ron Swanson meme or a Leslie Nope gif or something. Yeah, it, it's a, it was a very gifable show, which I think helped in its favour. And it's it's weird to be like, you need to make a show gifable to make it be successful, which I don't think should be the case. Mm. I think it should happen naturally. Um, but yeah, it's just got so many relatable moments. There are so many moments that you're like, yeah, I've been there. Or like, yeah, I would definitely do that. Absolutely. Just the weird, because they use the town as such a kind of a feeding ground, 
the weird stuff that's just accepted in that town that again then you get Anne and Ben to question like little Sebastian just I love that Ben just doesn't understand little Sebastian I'm like he's a tiny horse Ladies and gentlemen, the world famous Lil Sebastian. What? Yes. No. Oh my god. Hey. Oh my god. <laughs> I never thought oh I'd get to meet him. Truly <laughs> him. Well done, Leslie. Well done. <laughs> Lil Sebastian made his debut at the Last Harvest Festival in 1987, and he was an instant phenomenon. For the next few years, Sebastian was the number one boy's name in Pawnee, and the number three girl's name. So what am I missing? What's the deal with this pony? He's not a pony, Ben. He's a mini horse. There's a big difference. Well, then why is he so famous? Does he do something? What does he do? Son, this horse has an honorary degree from Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is one of the best running gags. Like, it just keeps coming back up. Isn't it when they're doing a... <laughs> the, uh, Andy Dwyer's band, Mouse Rat, which is one of the mm -hmm. best names for a band, um, does Bye Bye Little Sebastian's, like, 5,000 Candles in the Wind. <laughs> well, because she's like, I want it to be like uh, candles yeah. in the wind, but 5,000 times better. And he's like, I can do that. Yeah. And then there's a little like um, hologram of little Sebastian on the yeah. stage. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Pawnee Harvest Fest and met little Sebastian. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, right. sorry, go on. And um, Mouse Rat uh, mm. are having an album come out. It was announced like oh. a few days ago. Oh, that's the best news. I can't Yeah, like wait a proper real Mouse Rat album. That I think um, Bye Bye Little Sebastian is like the number one track on it. But I think it's like mm. 12 tracks. I saw it the other day and was like, oh my. I mean, they've got enough for an album. The amount of songs yeah. that pop up in the show, you, you could definitely make that work. Well, you can soon own it in your own home. <laughs> oh, I definitely will. I'm definitely pre-ordering that one. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair as well, Chris Pratt's actually not a bad singer-songwriter mm. in the show. Like, I know he does it for a bit of a laugh, but he's, he's very good in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It works, and yeah, there's ones that you're like, I could hum with that. Like, mm. I do, I can't remember any of them at the moment, but like, one of the other best running gags is how they keep changing their name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, especially in the first couple of seasons, it changes every other episode, yeah. and like, you lose track of what they're going by. Yeah. But it's great, and like you said, it, it's a nice, I love how they do that. They explore all the different parts of the town, like you said, and it. it's a really good way of just kind of setting up the characters in all these weird scenarios and like one of my favorite things is the rivalry that they have with um the was it eagletonians yeah that's one of the best things ever and like the episode where you go to eat so you've, you've heard about eagleton for so long and then they go and everything is like perfect and you get a goodie <laughs> bag when you leave the eagleton jail yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> But they're also like really snide and snarky yeah. with um with everyone from Pawnee. It's it's a real it's all that sort of fun little world building stuff they get to do. Yeah, because they thread it in so carefully that then it's such a payoff when you get to see it that you're like you know you hear about Eagleton for so long and then you finally go and like they got Parker Posey in for that episode to be like Leslie's old best friend mm. and then you find out that Leslie is actually from Eagleton. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that, that, that's. <laughs> just brilliant and how that just completely breaks her world yeah. <laughs> it's finding out she was born in eagleson and it's even just like isn't there like an ongoing joke i don't know if it's raccoons or possums i feel yeah. like maybe it's possums just yeah. for like the whole seven seasons just like oh yeah possums yeah yeah it's, it's the whole there's a brilliant early episode with um with andy sandberg one of mm -hmm. his I, th I think one of his uh early roles before like brooklyn 99 and the rest yeah. of it as this really obnoxious um sort of animal control guy and he's he's brilliant 
Yeah, mm-hmm. like you said, there's a whole running gag about possums. <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful. Um, I, I, I like as well, I feel like each season feels so different. Again, I, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's because of just the journey that Leslie, the main character, goes on. But, you know, like you said, you have the early seasons where they're kind of in parks and recreation department. Mm-hmm. And as you say, you move on to like the election stuff and then she's in the council, she gets recalled, then she goes back in you know for even bigger stuff and it, it feels like everything just grows and i think that's really nice because it means that every season kind of feels a bit fresh well just reading the amy polar book like she talks a bit about the process of doing parks and rec and it right. sounds like it was a really kind of tumultuous time oh. in that pretty much every season they didn't know if they would get another season and so i think mm. that is why the seasons feel like stepping stones because i think they always wanted it to feel like if that was going to be the last episode or the last season that Leslie had achieved a goal that she's mm. made something so you know if it had ended at season if it had ended at season two well mm. she's done the festival or yeah. planned the festival so woohoo if it ends at season three mm. she gets to run for office woohoo if it ends at season four she gets into office woohoo but yeah. then there's also if there's more after that, your woohoo gets to turn into the next stage of the journey. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they worked really hard to kind of always make sure that if it was the end and they didn't get the call to say you can come back, that it felt upbeat and like they had got somewhere. And I'm like, that's good. And I wonder mm. if that's why, yeah, they do all feel like succinct little chapters. Yeah. And it's I think that's really clever. That's a really good way of doing it. And I'm wondering, what did you think of, of the finale? So it's been a really long time since I've watched the finale. Mm-hmm. I think the last season is probably the season I watched the least. Mm-hmm. And it's because I never really understood why they did a time jump. Not against them doing a time jump. I did mm. enjoy it. But I always was like, did we need to do a time <laughs> jump? Because <laughs> it was a real trend for a while there. Where like every show was like, we're going to do a time jump. It's like, I think one show handled it successfully and then mm. everyone was like, oh my God, we can do that. That's a thing we can do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, I, I do enjoy, and I enjoyed the finale. I think I think it ended with a lot of heart and I think it ended in the way the right way. Um, and it's funny because now they did the reunion during the start of the pandemic last year. And mm. so now that's all I can think of because I'm like, when was the last time I saw them? And I'm like, oh, but it was that. <laughs> I'm like, no, that wasn't a real episode, Claire. Mm. but it felt like it do you know what I'll, I'll confess i actually haven't seen that it's really good um okay because there was that time like at the start of the pandemic where you were like i just don't want to watch anything else that's been zoom- filmed via zoom i yeah. want to watch people in a room together mm. um but they handled it so well because they all did it in complete character mm. and the whole thing is like obviously leslie's so over hyper that she has set up this phone tree where they all have to at all times be on zoom to someone so that they know they're all okay yeah and like the fact that leslie and ben couldn't be in the room together and andy and april couldn't be in the room together because they don't live together in real life they like mm. handled it all brilliantly and um, i really enjoyed it it was just it was nice to check in with like old characters that i loved mm. you can totally imagine exactly that is how leslie would handle the whole pandemic um and yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't feel like even the tiny bits of the show that I don't love, mm. I don't think there's anything that the show handled poorly. I think it pretty much always gets a home run, you know? Yeah. I'd give it 99.9% because 
John Raphael annoys me. Like he, <laughs> but that's like that's it. Like it is an all-time show for me. Yeah, that, that. Do you know what? That's totally fair. And it, I, I personally, yeah, I quite enjoyed the end. I thought it, it went out of its way to kind of wrap everything up quite neatly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's hence probably the time jump because it it allowed you to kind of breathe a little bit for each mm-hmm. character. But um, but you're right. I think the, the general sense of optimism, the the camaraderie, the fact that all these characters bounce so nicely off each other. It just, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. It's one of those shows, like you said, I, I recommend it to, to anyone. Mm-hmm. Especially, as you said, if you've, somebody who's watched like the US Office, for example, which is just getting a bigger and bigger audience, it seems, mm-hmm. it's the perfect point to jump straight into. It's like, if yeah. you like this, you will love this. Mm-hmm. It's like the next thing over. It's basically like The Office, but a town of these people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I I noticed as well, I don't know about you, they seem to kind of do away with the whole talking heads bit. Yeah, so again... It faded out, didn't it? I'm trying to remember what I was um, reading in the Amy Poehler book, but I think, like, again, that was just a part of them learning what worked and also trying to not be another The Office. Yeah. So they needed to kind of differentiate it. So they still kind of kept the vibe of a doc, but they never acknowledged that it's a doc. And yeah, like, because they do talking heads, but completely different to the office. Because in the office, the talking heads are like them on their chair, like mm-hmm. talking to a camera. Whereas in Parks and Rec, it's more them like guiding you through, like, oh, welcome, like, this is one of our things, and we do this. Mm-hmm. And like, you see Leslie outside, like, the White House, and she just gives like a little brief explanation, but then it will just flow straight into the scene. It's not so like documentarian yeah yeah it's it's a really unique format in that way and like you say and then eventually it just sort of quietly abandons those and just Mm. seems to flow like a normal sitcom yeah you know and that all of that stuff just dissipates into the background but i kind of love that i kind of love that eventually they just sort of yeah we'll just quickly get rid of this because it's not really working or yeah and like they mm. keep it in when you need it for exposition but it's no longer the like focal framing of the show absolutely um and to be honest, I mean, yeah, like you said, they've had a little reunion. That seemed to go down pretty well. I will check mm-hmm. it out because mm-hmm. it was one of those things I thought, that sounds like a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely done, isn't it? I mean, I'm just looking now because it was 2009 to 2015. So it's a six-year run. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good for most sitcoms, isn't it? Oh, God, yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to you wanna hop over the 100, the 100 episode mark, and they did. Mm. But again, it was it's great that it was one of those shows that, its peak is in the middle slash towards the end, not yeah. at the start. Like, I love that. I love shows that brew and build and have not necessarily an end game, but a long plan. Yeah. So yeah. that, you know, you don't get those first couple of seasons and then they go, well, oh, I really don't know what we're doing now. We're just going to make stuff up. And like, you know, when you get a show where like mm-hmm. they'll set up a storyline and then they'll finish the storyline and then they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, you've got like two more seasons. And they're like, okay, how do we undo all the stuff we've done? And it's like, what are you doing? Absolutely, yeah. And and I think you're probably onto something there with, well, with what you said from, from Amy Poehler's book, like the way they, they kind of built each season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it lends itself nicely then so that you can give a purpose to each yeah. storyline. And it's fun to watch. It's engaging. <laughs> you're not kind of just thinking, oh, it's getting a bit stale now. It's like they're, they're in new situations every time. I think one of the things it does really well is that none of the characters backslide. I think the only person who you could kind of say maybe has a slight backslide would be Andy. And that okay. possibly from the first season, 
he didn't seem quite as dumb as he does in like season two onwards but they build that in so quickly that it actually doesn't feel like he's got any more dumb and they Mm. build him up as a person so much that it doesn't matter because they build him up to be this really caring heartfield um character but i think all of the characters like you've mentioned a few times have so much growth that Mm. they never undo any of that growth you know they never take it back and say actually we made you know ron decide that he likes these kids and then they go actually Mm. i know we wrote that storyline in with those kids last season but we want ron to be mean again and like write them out like they're like no Mm. we made that decision ron is a family man now and they just run with it and they make it work and i think that's having confidence in your writers and having confidence in your characters absolutely and and the one thing that always stands out to me in the show is the the optimism as you said and how the character of leslie nope just doesn't give in mm-hmm. and it's like it's one of those interesting traits where it's at times it's kind of infuriating because she's a bit overbearing but other times it's very inspiring because mm-hmm. you know she she finds herself up against it constantly and as we said earlier, there's these kind of brilliant scenes where you've got the public just making bizarre points and comments and you're just like watching it through your fingers, just like, oh, these idiots. But it's it's a very funny commentary on, on a lot of things. But she just takes it all in stride mm-hmm. and like never seems to, as you say, backslide or, or kind of just give up. She just keeps going and going and going. And even after like everything that happens with the town and they kind of reject her, she still steps up and saves them when the time comes. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's it's about that kind of honesty that she has within her, that, like, she's always just doing her best and she just wants to make the town that she loves a better place because mm. she believes it's the best place in the world and she wants everyone else to make sure that it is the best place in the world. Yeah, and I think that's such a lovely message for a sitcom to put out there. And, yeah, like you said, hopefully, you never know, it might be inspiring to other people watching. Mm. yeah that that's it like it's so rare that you get to see women in the position of power Mm. and it's you know it's a sitcom with a female lead that the majority of her storylines aren't romantically based like you do have you have the storyline between her and ben but that is less than half a season Mm. and he and then you go straight from that you bounce into her like no she's running for political office like she Mm. is doing it she is gonna be a wonderful partner and wife but she's also gonna be a really powerful trailblazer um, mm. and i think it's nice like i come from a home where the mother was the breadwinner and the pe- the father was the stay-at-home parent and i mm. do like that like ben supports his woman he's not mm. like oh, i don't want to give up my career because of you he's like no i'm going to support you in your career and i'll find a career that works that allows me to push you and make you grow and i love that yeah it's wonderful and then there's this kind of interesting twist at the end where Ben ends up becoming a candidate for something Mm -hmm. bigger. And I think the way they handle that is really fascinating because, like you say, it then gives Leslie the chance to kind of pay it back. Yeah. And and it shows that they work really well together because they'll support each other in their goals, which is just really sweet. Yeah. Yeah, and it allows us to see Leslie thriving because I think sometimes there's the temptation when you have a woman in a TV show in a position of power to then at some point have her panic and be like, oh my God, I've not had, I've not got married and I've not had kids and Mm. I've failed at life. And it's like, no, she is good. Like her, her Mm. job, her goal in life is to be great at her job, but she knows, you know, the most important thing in life is Waffle's friends work. (laughs) Very well said. Very well said. (laughs) 
<laughs> always makes me want waffles that show it's really frustrating I'm like so yeah. now i have to go buy another waffle i know as much as they make fun of kind of the ridiculous food that is in some places in america it also makes me really hungry it makes yeah. me want to try so much um and I, and I, I, right now, as we speak, I am sipping on whiskey. Um, and so, like, someone like Ron Swanson speaks to me as a man who loves steak and whiskey. Yeah. I also love that in real life, Nick Offerman has um, shares or, like, some kind of part ownership in, in Lagavulin. I think that's just brilliant. <laughs> and they work it into the show. <laughs> Great. Give me all the eggs and bacon you have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is some eggs and some bacon. <laughs> I said all. <laughs> oh. Just give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Wait, wait. I worry what you just heard was, give me a lot of bacon and eggs. What I said was, give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Do you understand? Yeah. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. Well, was there anything else, Claire, that kind of leaps out to you about the show or anything you want to comment on? I just love it. I just think it's so wonderful. And it's it's all the tiny things. It's all the little moments and all the weird nods and all the brands. Like, is it um Joan Calmezio, the like the oh, book club her. lady? She's and then so weird. You've got the news reporter <laughs> that Leslie hates, like Leslie's obsession with like always writing the headlines that are utterly terrible. Yeah, yeah, that's and, right. You know, you've got the is it the snake hole bar? And like Andy and April's like fancy dress ongoing like Janet Snakehole and Bert Macklin like they just they yeah. just have so many wonderful random touches that they just always bring back that it just makes me happy yeah yeah and it's one of those shows like I think a lot of the ones I'll be covering on this series it's there's endless rewatch value mm -hmm. yeah there's so much stuff in it and it's like it's there's so many great gags and you know, you can just watch it over and over again and chances are you'll spot another joke or something that mm -hmm. you didn't get the first time or it's yeah, really, really wonderful. It's one of those that I regularly rewatch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely it's my like, I'm sad or I'm sick and I'm like, oh, I guess mm. I'm gonna watch Ben and Leslie fall in love again. <laughs> <laughs> That's a brilliant way to put it. And um and the, and it's usually available as well you know it's usually a netflix or a prime or something at the moment it's on netflix it's on prime it's on sky and it's somewhere else so i was like wow i, I looked on justwatch.com to be like where am mm. i gonna watch it this time and i was like oh everywhere i can watch it on whatever i want happy days so there you go if anyone's listening and they've not watched it before um go for it you know it's on it's, everything <laughs> yeah there's no excuse <laughs> but yeah no it's just it's a wonderful show made by wonderful people full of wonderful people and i think it was made at the right time Mm. And it's it's nice to have a little bit of optimism in your life. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. It's it's one of those shows that it's a it's a funny comedy that, as you said, is very optimistic and hopeful, but it does it without being too saccharine, you know, mm -hmm. which is which is, I think, a really, a really rare thing to see in a lot yeah. of sitcoms, actually. Yeah. Yeah, the, you never have the like after school special or the big hug yeah. and cry at the end of the show. But at the same time, it is just really lovely. And I think it's, they get though, for a town full of characters that are so larger than life, mm. they get the natural elements so right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really well said. Well, I think that's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> And now, now I, really, I want to go and rewatch it. This is the problem with the series that I'm doing mm -hmm. now. I'm going to 
be torn between so many different shows. I'm going to go and be good, and I'm going to go and watch the first season and the last season instead of just watching three, four, and five obsessively and being like, no, I want to watch all the cute things again. (laughs) I'm going to be good and watch the the bookmark ones because I've watched them all a few times, but yeah, I always just end up going back. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful stuff. Well, um, I mean, thanks. Thank you, Claire. I mean, is there there anything else you wanted to, to talk about or...? I think we're I think we're all we're all talked out. Time to oh, go to Sweetums and get get a giant baby sized <laughs> drink. Oh my goodness, yeah. Oh, yeah. So many clips. I'm going to be spending so much time in the edit with this one, but that's absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, just before we go, then I guess uh, where can the good people find you? Um, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Claire Ellen Hope, but Claire without an I. Um, and I co-host a podcast called W Rated mm-hmm. um, with my wonderful friend Daisy Edwards, um, at where we are working our way through IMDb's bottom 100 movies. Uh, so what are supposedly known as the 100 worst movies of all time. <laughs> It's the podcast you didn't know you needed. <laughs> I mean, it's really fun. Like one of my closest friends just doesn't watch films. She watches films like maybe once a month. She mm. listens to every episode and she's like, Claire, I'm learning so much about like film and like what mm. film means. And I was like, please don't learn that from my show. We're watching bad <laughs> movies. Like, I, please let me recommend you like good things. Yeah, I'm really yeah. worried that she's going to start watching these movies. <laughs> Oh my goodness, yeah. Oh man, I, I yeah. I, I listen as well and I can't believe some of the stuff you guys are working your way through, but We've play. been really kind to ourselves at the moment. Like we've done mm. ten films, I think, now. Mm-hmm. And we've been so kind. Like we've not watched a film that was made before two thousand and we've oh. we've really not dug into like the dark ones. So I'm like, you know, we are going to have to do the Human Centipede trilogy at some point. Oh, my goodness. Daisy's just utterly refusing because she's watched them all before. I've only Oof. seen the first one. Me so too. I'm like, we, we have to do them at some point. And she's just, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then you've got some real, I think it's when we're going to get to like the ones from the 70s. I think that's going to be mm. the tough because the newer ones that we've been doing, you're fu- they're fun because you know so much of the cast that you can just go down a rabbit hole and talk about like what they were up to. Mm. I think some of them, I think at some point, we're going to have a very bad time. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Stick around for that one then. <laughs> Selling the show. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Such a good spokeswoman. <laughs> no, it is a lot of fun. Um, and it's one that I, I'm hoping to be on at some point. Um, I won't I won't spoil what, what we've chosen, but um, yeah, I did my homework and wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll get to that when that comes out. That'll definitely be plugged. Yeah. I mean, now that is the funnest thing of doing it. It's the homework, the finding out, because that's mm. our aim to figure out, is it really that bad? And if it is, what on earth went wrong? Yeah, and I'll say that actually about your show. That's something, speaking of optimism and stuff, <laughs> you guys do look at it through, I try, I think, a, a genuinely quite positive lens most of the time, because I don't know that anyone ever sets out to make a bad film necessarily, do they? And And that's it. And so that's, you know, sometimes they're unfairly maligned. Like, I can't wait to do Black Christmas, the um, female kind of 2017 or 2018 reboot. Mm -hmm. Because any criticism I've ever seen about that is that it's really anti-men. And I'm like, okay, is that, Mm. I haven't seen it, but I'm like, I'm interested to watch that one because I'm like, I don't think that's one of the worst 100 movies of all time. And I think that Mm. maybe got review bombed. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That could always be the case, so. 
yeah, definitely worth jumping on board with you guys and, and the journey. And your co-host will be on here soon as well. So I'm sure she'll talk about it when Talking she comes Talking about in. friends and Ross yeah. and Rachel. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so that's it. Um, other than that, I'll just say, Claire, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me and letting me uh, waffle on. That's <laughs> <laughs> absolutely fine. My pleasure. And there we have it. A massive thank you to Claire for coming onto the show and kicking off this series in a big way. If you enjoyed this episode, definitely go and follow Claire. You can find all of her details in the show notes, including links to her writing and her show, W Rated. It's all brilliant. You should go and check it out right now. And as far as Parks and Recreation goes, if you haven't already seen it, then definitely go and check it out. It's available on pretty much all streaming platforms at the moment. So, the last thing to say really is if you are enjoying the show, please let me know. You can reach out to me on Instagram and Twitter. Both handles are at FundamentalsPod, as well as good old-fashioned email. You can reach me at FundamentalsPod at Yahoo.com. If you leave me a lovely five-star review on any podcasting streaming service, tell me. I'd love to know, so I can give you a nice shout-out on the podcast. That's it from me. I'll be back soon with another guest and another sitcom. And this time round, I'm going to leave a little clip in at the end, just to give you a hint as to what's coming up next. So, until next time, stay tuned and stay safe. Well, what I do is uh, I look a woman up and down and I say, hey... How you doing?